nobody else wanted to build that. Nobody else wanted to be involved with something where there's no way to lock in the customers and make sure that it was a worthwhile investment, but we knew it would be. So we went through with it ourselves. Welcome to episode 345 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. When large corporate incumbent internet service providers weren't interested in providing the quality of services Marshall, Michigan wanted and needed, community leaders decided to do something about it. The small town in the south-central part of the state deployed their own gigabit fiber to the home network. Now businesses and residents are signing up and local government offices are saving money while also getting faster, more reliable connectivity. In this week's podcast, Christopher talks with Jessica Slusarski from Marshall FiberNet. They talk about the why, the when, and the how behind this project that has transformed internet access in one small Midwestern town. Learn more details about the deployment at muninetworks.org, where we dived deeper into the project, and at marshallfibernet.com, where you can see what services they offer. Let's get to the interview. Now here's Christopher and Jessica Slusarski from Michigan's Marshall FiberNet. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell with the Institute for Local Self-Reliance up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Today speaking to another upper Midwest denizen, Jessica Slusarski with FiberNet in Marshall, Michigan, who, and Jessica, you're the customer service and marketing manager in case you forgot. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Well, thank you. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about Marshall, Michigan, which I have to say, every time my fingers start to type Marshall MI, I immediately type Marshall, Minnesota. So <laughs> tell me about Marshall, Michigan. Well, we're a small little community, um, about 7,088 last census um, residents. We're a historic little community, and it's a nice, quiet little town. Yeah, I know you're not far from Battle Creek because um, I'm just through the the randomness of the modern world. One of my colleagues here, her parents recently moved to Marshall and are uh, customers of the fiber network. <laughs> oh, excellent. Yes. Um, yeah, we are not far from Battle Creek at all. It's about a 12-minute drive. Tell me a little bit about what connectivity was like in Marshall prior to you building the uh, fiber optic network. Oh, <laughs> it's about the same as it was 10 years ago. Probably about an average of 2 to 12 megabits per second. Um, and a couple cases we can get up to 100 megabits per second. But those cases are few and far between and very expensive. And you have, uh, I'm, I'm presuming you have cable from a private company as well as uh, DSL. Is that is that accurate? Wow, and AT&T, they provide cable. A private citizen in your community does have choices, but you still don't have very high capacity speeds um, prior to your investment. Right. Um, and so, so you decided to do what about that? We decided to build our own network. So what went into that decision? Well, and we had a lot of complaints and a lot of um, vocalization about how slow the internet was in town. Um, so city council kind of went about making sure that we were able to make that a little bit better. Uh, the director of FiberNet, Ed Rice, he knew about fiber optics. He's pretty well versed in telecom and electric 
and he heard that um, doing fiber to the premise was an excellent idea, and he asked for it, and we got it. And now when you decided to to move forward, one of the the interesting things is um, that you are a municipal electric provider already. Um, Yes. But it sounds like you didn't structure this in the way that uh, many municipalities have in terms of it being um, a municipal fiber division underneath the electric division. No, nope. Um, we are our own department. So then you report directly to uh, the city council then or the, your, your board, basically? Pretty much, yeah. Um, we do have a director and he's the same. It's Ed Rice, the director of utilities as well. So tell me about your goals. I mean, one of the things that that I saw is that you uh, aim to have simple pricing, and I'm curious what that means to you. We basically want to remain cost neutral. We want to be a service for our community, not necessarily a uh, a, a for profit entity. Um, so all of our pricing is transparent. Um, we have a $50 deposit instead of a monthly fee for the equipment. So if they ever want to cancel service, they can bring back their equipment and get their $50 back. Um, and our residential rates are as is stated on the website, starting at $40 a month to $200 a month, um, depending on what they want. So if I sign up for 150 megabits, I'm assuming that's symmetrical. Um, yeah, absolutely. At $60 a month, um, then... Each month, I'm going to pay you sixty dollars. Um, yep, that's revolutionary. <laughs> yeah, sixty dollars a month. That's it. One hundred and fifty megabits per second. I was talking to a friend who um, runs a, a private network um, um, who <laughs> gets a kick every time I reference um, U.S. Internet here in Minneapolis. And I think he said once something about how, you know, like we've got these like, calculators and things. We can figure out how to charge people the amount, you know, we know ahead of time what we're going to charge them and we can advertise that rate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we just wanted to be as simple as possible, um, make it as easy and transparent as we could. And so how did you end up financing the network then? Because, you know, you mentioned that you're not seeking a profit, but I'm assuming that the network is, you did say it was expected to break even. Um, and so, um, you know, that's um, one of the challenges of, of running these networks, of course. Um, how did you end up financing it? Uh, we started financing it through loans from the electric department and the local finance district. We got we got loans from both of those to finance the project, and we expect to break even in about five years. And so you've um, you've in, internal loans, and then um, you're also basically doing um, what's uh, what Michigan version of tax increment financing. It looks like um, including some um, revenue bonds that'll be paid back, presumably by some of that. So when did you launch? We officially launched February of last year. Um, Happy birthday. We had, oh, I thank you. <laughs> it is about that time, isn't it? Wow. Yeah, it is. It's been about a year. Um, we've been officially, for the most part, done with construction and everything um, since October, November last year. Um, so we whipped through construction pretty fast. 
and there's a little bit more to go, and we had to halt on that because of the weather, which here in Michigan is a little uh, buried right now. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Uh, I understand that you've been having <laughs> alternate cycles. I mean, up, up in Minnesota, we just had snow, snow, snow. But I understand you've been um, um, melting ice storms, snowstorms, melting ice storm, snowstorm. It sounds like it's been challenging. Yes. It's been very snowy, and then as soon as that snow melts, it is it is mud and it is muck, and we really had to kind of take a breather on some of the construction because we're doing most of the plowing by ourselves. Um, we do have a little plow that we do some of the underground work with, at least for as far as um, installing homes, and if we use that now, we will destroy everybody's lawns. Sure. And at the same time, you already have more than 20% connectivity. And in one year, 20% connectivity is terrific. Yeah, we we are actually about, I think as of today, we have 840 customers. And there's a total of 4,000 and some odd customers are available, at least residences and businesses. Yeah, we are we are getting there. And one of the things that I know that, that Lisa had reported on previously in her story was that you were looking at a 38% take rate, but you have expectations of exceeding that, um, not just breaking even, but but um, you know having many more customers than, than you would need just to break even. Yeah, since we already have 840-odd customers, um, we expect to break through that. Most of the businesses and residences are either – that are not connected are either waiting for us to get there. We do have um, some construction to do for the apartment buildings still in town. Um, So those are expected to be completed by summer as long as we do get permission from um, the building owners to create an entirely new infrastructure within their walls. Probably our biggest setback there is waiting for permissions from the apartment buildings. That'll that'll bring in a lot of new customers. And then... um, just the fact that the contracts that the other providers in the area offer are so expensive to get out of, um, we do understand that it might be more worthwhile for them to just wait it out, um, especially when it's three, $400 to get out of a contract just for a resident. Have you seen any competitive response since you've been moving forward? Any upgrades from the providers that were already offering service? No upgrades. I'm pretty sure that they're running at full capacity. Their speeds are not going to get any better. They do have fiber out here, but it's not fiber to the premise. They're not going to be able to offer the same kind of speeds that we offer. The problem is that they're doing a lot heavier advertising, um, and we're trying to keep our prices low and as community-friendly as we can, so we don't exactly have a big budget for that. And then they are also able to significantly lower their prices and offer the triple play with phone and television. But those are both going by the wayside. So we don't expect that to hold up for long. Do you have a sense that um, you were offering straight up data? Um, do you have a sense that many of your uh, customers are then using other products? Like, are you encouraging them to say if anyone comes to you and says, how do I get TV service? And you say you could use X service or something like that. Absolutely. Um, pretty much everybody working in the fiber department is a millennial and we all love Netflix and Hulu and those are what we use. So we have no problem 
offering our own personal advice, which is another thing that the residents really appreciate is that we're not out to sell extra services. We just kind of give our recommendations off of what we personally like, and we're able to talk to them about those with no real bias because we're not making anything off of it. We just like it. What kind of a reaction have you had from the community? Um, you know, people going from a few megabits a second to um, some dramatically better speeds. Is there anything memorable? We have had a couple YouTubers and a lot of um, gamers, a lot of gamers who appreciate it so much. We had a couple photographers who mentioned that their upload times are insane now. Um, same with the YouTubers. Um, Lisa did mention in the article Sam Rodriguez, who I went to school with, um, he was working with 48-hour upload times for his YouTube <laughs> podcast, Twitch streams, and now he can do it in minutes. And he's loving it. I know that. And then we do have a couple other YouTubers um, in sound that – are for-profit YouTube creators, and they're they're really happy with the service. And I have to assume that just outside of town, probably there's also uh, a lack of high-quality access. Are you you seeing people thinking about moving into town, or are they demanding that you figure out how to expand after you finish connecting everyone in town? Yes, um, we do. We do get a lot of requests to come out into the townships. And when people find out that we're not in the townships who are moving out into the townships, they are crushed <laughs> that they have to go because I, I'm pretty sure that the fastest that you can get in the townships is 2 to 12 megabits per second. I don't think WoW is out there. Um, I think it's just AT&T and they're ooh, not very yeah. fast out here. Um, yeah, and we don't expect them to be making any investments either. I mean, they're really trying to focus on their, their mobile service. So. Um, so have you thought at all? I mean, is there, is that something that's under consideration or are you just, you know, focused on the present and not worrying about what comes next until you get there? Oh, no, we've definitely been thinking about expanding out into the townships for a long time, but due to the restrictions in Michigan for expansion, we've been having a little bit of difficulty in getting out there in order to get us out there. It's kind of up to the townships and not necessarily up to us in being able to do that. Right. Well, before you could build, of course, you had to make a, a bid available per Michigan law. When you when you made that bid available, did you have a sense of whether anyone would bid? And and because um, I, I mean, just to reflect for people who aren't aware, you have to um, make a bid available, and only if you don't have three competitive bids are you allowed to move forward. If I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's correct. Um, we didn't have any bids actually. Um, so we were allowed to make our own. We didn't know what to expect. We knew that it'd probably be low because we were pretty much demanding that there were no contracts, um, transparent fees, and nobody else wanted to build that. Nobody else wanted to be involved with something where there's no way to lock in the customers and make sure that it was a worthwhile investment, but we knew it would be. So we, we went through with it ourselves. There's um, further restrictions for you to be able to expand it where everywhere you go, they also have to go through that kind of rigmarole? Yes. Yep. So that includes the townships, too. They would have to put out the same process. They would have to have the same meetings, the same put out their own CBA, um, cost-benefit analysis. They would have to um, do the exact same process that we did, but then we'd be able to bid on that. Um, same with the competitors, but... 
um, I don't think they would want to um, put in that much effort for that for such small areas. Relating to customer service, my my last question to you, which is your um, your domain, um, you know, operating a small network, I gotta think it's pretty challenging to figure out how to staff up when you're when you're so such rapidly growing the customer base. Um, you know, what are some of the tensions involved with uh, creating a new ISP that's municipally owned and um, making sure you're able to handle the the calls you get and things like that? Ooh, yeah. Um... We were down to just two people in the office for a while, and that was tough. Um, we pretty much sit in the office all day and hammer out those phone calls. Um, but we do have a call center now. It's actually through Coldwater, um, which is a town just south of us. Um, they have their own, um, I think it's a DSL network. And they're I thought looking it was municipal to... cable. But um, but it's yes, definitely yeah they have yep. their own ca- they have their own cable um, and they have a call center for that and for internet and they were able to take us on for after hours so the three of us office personnel could go home and sleep at some point um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's actually been really great because we are fiber to the premise there's not a whole lot of outages we have a lot of redundancy where. We don't have a whole lot of technical calls, and a lot of them are just people wanting to know um, before they commit what it is and what they can do to get television and um, all that stuff still. We do have a really high senior population, so changing from cable, which you know we've all been used to for the last 20, 30 years, um, into Netflix and streaming television has been a huge jump for a lot of people. Um, but we are more than happy to explain and we will even come out to your house and help you set it up. Um, so we've been, we've been really happy with being able to go out there and we feel like being a bigger part of the community is more important than, you know, anything. We want to be very customer service oriented, no matter what your needs are. And we've been really focused on customer education as well, um, if anybody's having an issue with their internet or connecting their printer or anything, we're able to help with that too. Um, so we're not just going to hang up on you if we know it's not an issue on our end. We'll we'll come out and make sure that our services are working for you as well. I think that's one of the biggest benefits that a network like yours can offer. And, you know, even me as a very technical person, um, you know, there's times when I just, I'm tired of learning the new thing, you know? So it's great knowing yeah, you Yeah, and <laughs> it's pretty funny because I was having some issues at my house um, hooking up. It was actually my printer. It's always a printer. Right. Um, <laughs> and I was looking up how to fix it, and it was like, contact your ISP. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, let me just call myself real quick. But, you know, it's it's usually an issue with the device, and it's really easy just to go over. It's a lot easier to go and help somebody than it is to, you know, tell them, no, we can't do anything about it. And it's a lot better, and a lot of customers have been really appreciative of that, and we love it. Yeah, but how many of the people that are calling is their first question about TV, whether or not they'll be able to watch um, University of Michigan sporting events? Probably about a third. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I thought it might um, even be higher. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, at least a third. A lot of people are really concerned about, you know, we have a lot of people working from home, so they want to be able to 
utilize their actual internet service instead of getting cut off. There's a lot of outages with the other competitors, which was a huge problem and why we wanted to do fiber to the premise. Um, but yeah, um, a lot of people want to know how to watch the Big Ten Network, <laughs> especially. <laughs> and then the other question I forgot to ask earlier was, um, how do you get out of Marshall? Um, was there a network you could just hook into and lease, or how did you handle that problem to get to the wider internet? Oh, um, we went through um, Merit, and we're looking through looking into another outside connection um, for a failover option, possibly even a third connection. Um, there's a lot of different ways that you can get out there. I know Cogent is a huge um, a huge ISP for ISPs. <laughs> um, right. And there's, there's quite a few, but we went through Merit Networks um, to start off with. Oh, and, good. Yep, and they supply basically from Detroit to Chicago, a lot of institutions, um, a lot of colleges. So it's a it's a really solid network, and we've been really happy with them. Great. Well, thanks for taking the time. When we first learned about you, we were desperate to find out more because we try to track these things. You guys kind of flew under the radar until you'd popped up and were already connecting customers. So um, I'm really glad you made some time for us to, to talk, to get an update, and uh, look forward to hearing more from you in the future. Yeah, thanks so much. It was great talking to you. That was Christopher and Jessica Slusarski from Marshall's FiberNet in Michigan discussing the town's municipal gigabit fiber to the home network. We have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this podcast and the other podcasts from ILSR, Building Local Power, and the Local Energy Rules podcast. You can access them wherever you get your podcasts. Don't miss out on important research from all our initiatives. Subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org, and while you're there, please take a moment to donate. Follow us on Instagram. We are ILSR74. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song, Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed through Creative Commons. And thank you for listening to episode 345 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast.